Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch and what a unique episode it is. During the COVID restrictions, many of us have been experiencing unusual dreams that have left us woken up with confusion, caused brain fog. And I understand that it's a phenomena worldwide that people are having unusual dreams. So today I thought we will focus on the tree of health and more specifically on our mental energy and touch on the spiritual as well. And to help us better understand our mind and more importantly, our dreams, I have invited dream analyst and dream therapist, Jane Teresa Anderson onto our show. Welcome, uh, Jane. Thank you, Sam. It's absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I've uh, heard so much about you through our producer, Bianca, and this is a topic that has been of particular interest for myself since Upgrade Your Life event in uh, January 2020, which seems like an eternity ago, but uh, (laughs) not so long ago, where one of our faculty members, Jim Quick, he's the memory expert and speed reading, speed learning expert. And one of the practical tips that he shared with everyone on stage is the fact that we need to take our dreams more seriously and we need to analyze them. And he would advise people to keep a notebook next to his bed and to write down their dreams. And he said that's better for our cognitive performance, memory recall. So this topic is going to be of particular interest, not just to myself, but I'm sure a lot of people, we're going to talk about what dreams mean. You know, a lot of people are having dreams uh, about losing their job or dreams about death or dreams about birth or dreams that their partner's cheating on them. And of course, a lot of these dreams have meaning and really fascinated to talk to you about this uh, topic. Now, I understand that uh, you have an honors degree in zoology, specializing in neurophysiology, and that you've been researching dreams for nearly 30 years. And you're an author of seven books focused on dreams and dreaming. Now, your latest book is called Bird of Paradise, Taming the Unconscious to Bring Your Dreams to Fruition, which I'm absolutely looking forward to uh, reading myself. More recently, uh, in 2017, established the Dream Academy, which uh, would have to be one of the first academies uh, in the world, I'm sure. I don't know much about this topic, so you have to correct me if I'm wrong. Are there any other Dream Academies in the world? (laughs) No, not at all. In fact, it's really hard to find anywhere to study dream interpretation professionally or meaningfully. And that's really one of the reasons why I set up the Dream Academy. Also because I had been training people a lot by phone (laughs) or by Skype. and. And also because I do consult with people about their dreams, I'm always keener that people learn the tools and techniques themselves. So I set up the Dream Academy. It's video led. There are notes to download, charts to fill in. And yeah, that was three years ago now. and It's going strong. Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to going on that myself. I do believe this is a very important topic for our mental health. And why I believe that, and I reckon if my grandmother was a young lady now, she'd be one of your disciples, because in uh, my culture, I'm of Lebanese heritage, 
I grew up in the in a village at the base of Mount Lebanon as a little kid. I remember one of the morning rituals that my grandmother would go through with all the other ladies in the village. They'd wake up, they'd gather and have their tea together and coffee, and they would actually sit and retell their dreams and analyze their dreams. So I grew up as a young child hearing all these stories about what do dreams mean? And there was a common thread. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on what certain dreams mean. What does death in a dream mean? What does birth? And interested to see if it correlates to what my grandmother, I, I heard from, from her growing up. It would be so lovely if we had the time to do that now so that instead of jumping on our, and scrolling on our phones and we wake up in the morning or rushing and doing the million things we have to do these days, if we did take time not only to look at our own dreams, but to actually talk about them with other people and bring back those skills because we've lost them. So part Absolutely. of my mission is to help people regain them. <laughs> Absolutely. When you say we've lost them, I think this is to the detriment of our not just our mental health, but also our spiritual connection with others and our spiritual connection with the earth and our spiritual connection with our faith. So firstly, I, I guess my question is, why do we dream? Why do we have this evolutionary or creationary concept <laughs> of dreams? I first will say to anyone that's listening in and going, well, I don't dream, that we do actually all dream. It's just that we don't all remember them. So we all dream. And what's happening is that the dreaming brain or your dreaming mind is actually processing the last one to two days of all your conscious and unconscious experiences to try to make sense of your world. So it's a bit like updating your software or your hardware, trying to put everything in context. And in an ideal world, you would wake up in the morning refreshed, new mindset, updated, got a better idea of how to deal with my life and how to cope with my life and who I am. But when our dreams are reviewing that last one to two days and processing all those experiences, anything that comes up for us that resonates with something from the past we will bring up the past in those dreams, which is why you sometimes look back to the past. So it's almost like you're updating your mindset and you're comparing your recent experiences with all your past experiences, updating some, not updating <coughs> others, but with a general purpose to wake up. You use the word evolution to wake up more evolved emotionally, spiritually, physiologically as well updated right. mindset and then when we come in at looking at our dreams what we get is, is an opportunity to look into our mindset to begin to understand how we're processing the world if you look at a dream and you can tell from the dream that your mindset has specific limiting beliefs or specific um, emotions that you haven't healed or specific behavior patterns that are maybe not working in your best interests then you can see this through your dream. And then I particularly work with people to bring in exercises they can do that then reprogram those limiting beliefs or heal those circumstances so that life becomes a more positive experience. Excellent. I'd love to get to some of those exercises. No doubt there's a lot more on your website for people to visit. And um, just before, in case we forget later, what is uh, your website address? It's janeteresa.com. That's Teresa without an H. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Before we get to those exercises, could I ask you what do some of the, our dreams mean? For example, what does a dream about death or loss mean? Yeah, so you can't take a dream dictionary approach. You can't say <clears throat> this dream about death 
oh, go and look it up in a dictionary. Def- oh, my dream is about this or about, oh, it's about this. All our dreams right. are unique and individual to us. But that said, we're human beings <laughs> and we all have um, experienced similar things in life. We may experience loss, for example, particularly during the pandemic. We may experience loss of job, loss of certainty, loss of all kinds of things. And then we might have a dream about loss. So we might have a dream that for one person might be losing their bag. (laughs) Another person might dream of losing a child. Another person might dream of losing their direction. And in general, you could say that these dreams are dreams of loss. So then you look into those dreams and they will parallel waking life situations where there's a feeling of loss in dreams of death, just to extend the idea. During the pandemic, some people are dreaming of death because they are actually processing their thoughts and feelings about death and recognizing their own mortality and worried about people close to them dying. But on the whole, we tend to dream about death when we're looking at uh, change in our lives as the death of the old and the birth of the new. In order to create new ways of being in our life, we have to put an end to the old ways of being. And our dreams will often see those as death. Wow, that's that's profound. A lot of people during this pandemic has experienced the loss of freedom, which I guess could explain why so many people are having weird dreams throughout the world. If you Google that, you'll see the phenomena worldwide. So does dreaming about death or loss Is that increasing because of that perception that we've lost our freedoms? Definitely. uh, Both of those themes are on the increase during COVID. And also dreams of being trapped, (laughs) dreams of being irritated, dreams of being out of control, not being able to control things, dreams of... (laughs) I've seen a lot of people come up with dreams of insects, animals, generally yucky things being on the skin or following them. And of course, those are their individual responses, I imagine, to the virus. And this is this invisible thing that gets under your skin and hurts you. There are are two main reasons why, well, three main reasons why so many people are having such weird dreams during the pandemic. And the least likely ones, the ones that people don't realise are that because we're not commuting to work, (laughs) because we've got a little bit more time to get out of bed in the morning, And also because we may go to bed a little bit earlier at night because we're not out on the town doing things, most of us are having longer sleeps. Now, in an eight-hour sleep, most of our dreams, and I'm talking about 60 to 90% of our dreams, happen in the last two hours between six hours of sleep and eight. So if you're normally the kind of person that only sleeps for six hours, you're going to be having less dreams to remember than if you're having eight hours. So on the one hand, we're dreaming more. If you're not jumping out of bed as soon as an alarm goes off, if you're actually taking time to kind of wake up slowly and come to terms with the day, that is time to remember your dreams. You'll tend to remember more. Then on top of this, because our dreams are processing our waking life experiences, and for a lot of us, as you say, Sam, it's loss, it's death of the old, it's anxiety, it's out of control, it's all of these things, then those dreams will tend to have a lot of anxiety and fear in them. And those are the dreams that tend to wake us up in the middle of the night. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, you you actually wake up either in the middle of the dream or just after it. And so you will tend to remember it. Whereas if you have a kind of sleep soundly throughout the night, you only tend to remember the last dream. So we're remembering more dreams as well. So those are some of the many reasons why people are having weird dreams. They're giving themselves more sleep time. They're waking up and remembering them. They're getting up more slowly and remembering them. And the material they're dreaming about, their waking lives are so vivid that the dreams are vivid too. 
Wow. Okay. Yep. And you're absolutely right. I, I wear something called an aura ring, which I don't know whether you've heard of the aura ring. I have, yes, have. Yes. Yes. So I, I track my sleep religiously and every morning I will download the data and have a look. And I quickly figured out because I would only ever get five to six hours sleep. And I quickly figured out that joining the 4am club or the 5am club wasn't that healthy. <laughs> you needed that extra hour or hour and a half or two hours to get the REM sleep. And Dr. Matthew uh, Walker, who is the, I think the professor at, is at Berkeley University, who studied yes. sleep and I think he, his book is called Why We Sleep, mentioned that that period where we go through REM sleep is the period where the hippocampus transfers a short-term memory to the frontal cortex and to long-term memory. So people that are not getting that sufficient REM or that morning sleep experience brain fog the next day because their hippocampus is like a USB stick. It gets too full and yeah, it needs to, needs to download, right? (laughs) Absolutely. That's right. Yes. And although we actually go into rapid eye movement sleep, REM sleep, after an, about an hour and a half of sleep, and then we come around every hour and a half. So one of the most prevalent dreams that people are having now is a dream about their partner cheating. What does it mean? <laughs> so again, you can't take a dream dictionary approach, but it is a dream that <laughs> there's so many people worry about and, and get it into the head that I must be picking up on something while I'm sleeping. There must be something I don't know. And it's awful to be on the receiving end of that and be the partner and go, no, look, I'm really, I'm not cheating on you. Everything is fine. The way to find out what it means is to realize that everyone and everything in a dream represents something about you, the dreamer. So given that scenario, the overall sense of that dream is there's been a betrayal, there's been a cheating. Now, this is how it will play out for most of us. I'm going to take a really silly example just to drive it home. Here's a silly example. I'm going to be really good during the pandemic and I'm going to eat really healthy food. I'm going to make a complete change and I'm not going to eat chocolate or sugar. I'm going to make the best of this time and do really well. Yes. Oops, I made a mistake. I had some chocolate and sugar. Go to sleep, have a dream, cheating, betraying myself. So it's that intense. It's where you let yourself down, where you've... Now, it can be on much bigger scales, of course. Anywhere where we feel um, that we have maybe let ourselves down, we haven't followed through on things that we promised ourselves, we can have that betrayal dream. So you wake up from a dream like that, and the key question would be, if I really think about this, where in the last one to two days do I feel that I've maybe cheated on myself, not in an intimate sense, cheated on myself betrayed some idea or ideal that I had and usually with a bit of prodding around you get it then you look at the rest of the dream you look at all the other details of the storyline of the dream and as a dream analyst would be able to pick out straight away from that oh look you can see this bit here and this bit there this dream is about you feeling that you're betraying your whatever you could actually pick it all up but as a starting point and so why we would feel that more in the pandemic on one level, because we're staggering about trying to do things in a different way. And what we're actually doing is betraying our old way of being. I'm cheating on myself because I'm not um, having four hours sleep and I'm not working around the clock and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And I've let my old ideals slip. Right. Hmm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So why do we have nightmares? Yeah, good questions. If we feel fear in a dream, or anxiety or stress, 
our physical body does actually release the fear hormones or the anxiety hormones or the stress hormones. So you actually enter a physiological state of fear, stress or anxiety. And once that's in your body, one thing that often happens is that you'll wake up because you think something's really happened. I'm on alert. I've got goosebumps. My heart is pumping. I'm freezing cold. I've got to act. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to attack. And so you think that something really has happened. And this intensifies the dream, which was a dream about fear, has now become a sense that something actually happened there. And that's where you'll call it a nightmare. But why we have nightmares, because we're processing our fears and our anxieties and our stresses. Nightmares are the most powerful place to start if you want to understand your dreams. So if you actually start with your recurring nightmares, you get to find out why you have recurring fears and why you're unable to face them or why you're unable to resolve them. And once you can come to terms with that and face those fears or resolve them, your life goes through leaps and bounds of uh, improvement. Well, so nightmares are a message, I guess. I always think a lot of people feel that dreams are giving you messages and it's a little bit of semantics, but the way that I look at it is you look into a dream to understand your mindset, your unconscious and conscious mindset, to understand your life through your eyes, to understand your perceptions of the world, your illusions of the world. And in looking at your dream, you can say, oh my goodness, I didn't know that there was so much to me. I didn't know that this was the whole me. Now I understand why my life is the way it is. Understanding that, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to change something. So you create the message that you take from the dream itself doesn't set out to say, right, tonight, I'm going to deliver a message. The dream is just processing and you look in it to get the message. So it's processing what's going on as a subconscious unconsciously yes everything okay everything okay wonderful so my next question is how do we stop nightmares but i guess you've answered it because we don't need to stop the nightmares we need to process uh, what's going on uh, internally in our waking hours Exactly. That effectively stops them. So there is another answer to your question, which I'll go into. But effectively, if you wake up from a nightmare, you either by yourself or with help, you work out what it means. You can then address those fears, resolve them. And so you won't have the nightmare again. But a way to accelerate that is to do what I call dream alchemy. So I'll give a simple example. You have a nightmare that you're being chased by a dark shadow. So in reality, you would look at that dream and say, okay, there's a darkness, there's a fear, there's something that I'm running from that I don't want to turn around and face. And because you don't want to turn around and face it, you don't face it in waking life. So the dream keeps coming up, it's recurring. But if you wake up from that dream and you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to sit up in bed, I'm going to stay awake, but I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to rerun the dream. Only this time, there's a shadow chasing after me. I'm about to run. I'm not going to run. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to face the shadow. And you visualize yourself facing the shadow and you change it into something positive. So you might change it into light. You might change it into a beautiful star. You can change it into anything. The thing you must not do is kill it off. Because everything in the dream represents something about you and you don't want to kill something off. You want to transform what's negative into positive. So you transform the shadow into, let's say, a shining star. And then in your imagination, in this replay, you say to the shining star, have you got a message for me? Or can I give you a hug? Or can I put you in my heart? You you just make up something like that. And what this does is it effectively 
programs your unconscious mind to be ready to turn around and face whatever that dark shadow is, to turn around and face the fear. Because for example, we all know that the more you run from something you don't want to look at, the bigger it looms. Once you turn around and look at it, you go, okay, all right, I've got this. I can do something about this. And it disappears. So that visualization, that dream alchemy process, because it uses the symbols that your unconscious mind brings up, instead of your unconscious mind saying, I'm going to give you a dream about your bank account dwindling because you just lost your job during the pandemic. Our dreams are more surreal than that. So your dream will be, here's a dark shadow. It's following you and you're going to run from it. And you might look at the dream and go, that's my bank account dwindling. I'm not going to look at that because I don't want to know. Magic is going to solve that. But the moment you do turn around to it and look at it and say, okay, I've got a bit of a financial problem here. What can I do? You can begin to take steps to address it. So by doing that, your unconscious mind has come up with a symbol of the dark shadow to represent, for example, your dwindling bank account. So when you turn that around and, and make that dwindling bank account into that shadow, into a shining star, you're telling your unconscious mind you're ready to turn around and create positives from negatives. I love it. So it's like self-hypnotherapy. It is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you're still in that dream state, when, even when you do awake, uh, I think, is it the theatre brainwaves? Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so that's ex- extremely powerful. Now, I, I have a family member who experiences sleep paralysis consistently. And I went through it when I was younger and can't remember the last time it happened. It was long ago, but I, I remember what it feels like. And for people that are listening who have experienced it, it's quite distressing because you're awake, but you can't move your body. And it typically happens when you come out of a dream. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Is that to do with our dreams? Yes, it is. And it's um, probably happening for more people during this time as well when they're really scared about things. So what happens is that as you fall asleep, your brain eventually, your brain tells your nerves that go to your muscles to quieten down so that you don't actually get up and start acting out your dreams and running around the bedroom. So your muscles are prevented from acting out your dreams. Yeah. When you wake up in the morning in an ideal world, you your brain starts to wake up, you finish your dream, and then your muscles start to come back into feeling and you can move and you can get up. If that's slightly out of sync, you get that sleep paralysis feeling. So it's when you wake up from your dream before your brain has told the nerves to wake up too. So you're awake in your head, but your body isn't awake and it's really scary. Now, it can particularly be out of sync if you wake up in the middle of the night because of a nightmare. So you're jolted out of a dream suddenly, too quickly for your physiology to catch up, but you're consciously awake. Or you're at the end of a dream, you're like trying in the dream to wake up or to get out of a sealed coffin or something in your dream and you can't do it. So once you know that it's just physiological, what you can do is you get to that point and you just think to yourself, okay, this is absolutely terrifying, but I know that my body is just being a bit slow, getting its nerves, getting its muscles. So if I just breathe deeply, even though it feels I can't breathe deeply because a lot of people feel like there's a big weight on your chest, but if I just breathe and I wait a few seconds, I will be fine. And usually the moment you actually put yourself in that relaxation state too, your brain goes, oh yeah, you want your muscles back. Here they are. So that's how it happens. So don't fight it. Don't fight it. (laughs) Just relax into it. Okay. (laughs) Because I remembered in my early years when I was having that, I would fight it and it would increase the distress. It's a bit like getting caught in a rip, but 
the beach. If you fight it, it's a losing battle. But if you go with it, you get to calmer waters and eventually swim back to shore. People who are listening, if you experience that, just breathe into it, just surrender into it, and then you'd come out of it quicker. Yeah. A slight variation on that is when people wake up and they're pretty sure that there are ghosts in the room or that there's a faceless person hanging over them or a presence in the room or they actually see a person or they see something flying through the room. And what's happening there, it's very similar to what we've just described with sleep paralysis, but it's when you are still dreaming and you're trying to wake up and you open your eyes, but although your eyes are open and your brain is seeing the room in front of you, you're still dreaming. So some of the dream images your brain decides aren't inside your head dream images. They must be in your bedroom. So you start to see people or shapes. Ah, yes, yes. But they're hallucinations from your dreams. And again, the same sound. It's just, you know what this is. <laughs> so just breathe deeply. Your physiology will catch up with this in a minute. There's nothing in your room. In fact, just even close your eyes because you're safe. These are part of your dreams and just relax. What about when you feel like something has touched you? Yeah, it's a similar thing. If you mean once you're in the middle of waking up, not in the dream. No, so you might be in REM, so you're asleep, but then you're awoken because you feel like something has touched you and you wake up and you look around and say, I could have sworn (laughs) someone has just touched my leg. occasionally it might be just moving about a bit of bed, not realising, but it's usually when you have actually been dreaming of a touch. And um, because we do dream in all of our senses, if it was a scary touch, it would jolt you awake. Oh, what was that? Something touched me. And then you've still got that hallucination kind of feeling. It's not in my head. I'm awake. It must be out there in the room. So you actually interpret that. The brain interprets that as somebody touched me. Our, Our brain interprets everything, doesn't it? It interprets all our waking life experiences. We all have our individual illusions about what life is about because our brain does all the interpreting. Just knowing, for example, that the lens in the eye actually turns everything upside down. Say you're looking at a tree, the light rays coming from the tree pass through the lens in your eye and actually create an upside down image of a tree on your brain. Your brain goes, that does not compute. I'll just turn that the other way. Because if you fit people with glasses that actually turn everything upside down, after a few days, your brain flips them upside down again. And then when you take the glasses off, your brain is constantly interpreting everything that happens around you. And your dreams are one avenue for understanding why your brain interprets the world around you as it does. I'm fascinated. Why did you get into this area? What was your motivation? (laughs) It's a really good question. I generally say it's because I dreamed a lot as a child and I was always asking all the curious questions of the adults and nobody was really giving me answers that satisfied me. (laughs) I got diverted into doing the science degree, as you said, But then as time went by, I just became more and more interested in my own dreams and nothing that I could find out really satisfied me enough. So eventually my total passion in the subject and my absolute and utter curiosity drove me to find out more. And I also had a bit of an inkling, I had a bit of a feeling when people told me about their dreams. I think, why can't you see what that's because I've got a kind of feeling for what that dream means. But what I did in the end was the scientist in me came out and I got a few hundred people involved and I got them to write down their dreams and I got them to write down what was happening for them in their waking life, what issues came up, what emotions. And then I compared their dreams to what was happening in their waking life. And that's how it all began for me. But the short one word answer to your question is passion. (laughs) Yes. And curiosity. (laughs) And curiosity. (laughs) 
Absolutely. It's fascinating. And I know people that are listening now, probably you're going to get quite a few inquiries, I suspect, straight after this. One of them would be a family member that I know is fascinated with this topic as well. But going back to my grandmother and that morning ritual that people in the villages would do, is that something that we need to refer to? We live in such a fast world, and I recently recorded an interview with uh, Carl Honore, who's the godfather of the slow movement, and uh, he touched on it as well. He's saying that we are accelerating through life, and we're missing those morning moments and those moments at the end of the day, those segues into waking and sleeping where we need to transition in and out. And I feel like analyzing dreams is crucial. And so let's talk about some of the exercises. I I suspect one of them is a morning ritual. So just a basic 101 of, and if people want to go deeper, then they can go to uh, janetheresaanderson.com. Teresa without an H. Yeah, janetheresa.com. The Anderson isn't in the website address. Okay. Yeah, as Carl Norris says, we have to first be committed to slow. The 101 is actually set two alarms in the morning. If you really have to get out of bed at a set time, set two alarms 15 minutes apart. The second alarm is the one where you really do have to get out of bed. The first alarm is the wake up a little bit, drift along in twilight, see if you can remember any dreams. No pressure. If you just remember a simple symbol or a bit of an emotion or a bit of a feeling, that's fantastic. Then get your dream journal or if writing's too slow for you, grab your phone and your audio and just record a whole dream, a fleeting dream, a symbol, just something. The whole dream's best, but it's even a symbol. Second alarm goes off, get out of bed, get on with day. Sometime during the day, come back, revisit the dream. There are lots of tools and techniques to, to really get into the dream. But one simple one to begin with is that if you think of the dream as an analogy of something that you've been going through in the last one to two days, then take your whole dream, even if it's a, a novel length long with millions of chapters in it, take it down to one simple sentence. In this dream, everything stopped me getting to the airport. And right, then make that right. sentence a little bit vaguer. Forget yes. the airport. In this dream, everything stopped me getting where I wanted to be. You can take that in 101 as simply a contemplation point. Am I my own worst enemy? Is it me that stops me getting from where I want? Is my goal too far? Is it something I should change? Do I really want to do it? You can contemplate all those things. Or you can go the whole distance, pick up all the tools and techniques or speak to someone like me and look at all the details in your dream and find out what it really is in your unconscious mind that is getting in the way of you achieving your goals. And then at the other end of the night, as you said, Sam, going to bed, everybody knows Very few people do it, but everybody knows the basic rules. Get off screens for a couple of hours beforehand. Relax. (laughs) Don't do anything else in your bedroom that's to do with thinking or writing or screens, except for writing. I would say as you go to sleep, take a piece of paper and write down any problems or things that are for your to-do list and put them on the piece of paper because that leaves them till tomorrow. You're allowed to keep one of those if you like to fall asleep to one question or problem that you'd like to dream about. And you may or may not dream about it because your dreaming brain will process whatever's been happening for you in the last one to two days. And if you're lucky, it might be that last problem that you've put on its plate and allow yourself I, to drift off to that. sleep. 
Mm. I love that because the subconscious is very powerful to resolve a lot of problems. And I often do that as well. It's like setting an intention for the evening, but I loved how you just narrow it down just to one. So just to recap, when you woke up, please don't reach for your phones. As soon as you wake up, allow that 10 to 15 minutes to process to wake your mind up, wake your body. It's so bad for your health just to go straight into it. It's jolting your system. And I think science will one day connect some dots for us relating to the huge increase in adult early onset dementia and Alzheimer's and the importance of dreaming and the importance of analyzing your dreams. But we cannot underestimate the, the importance of that topic. So just to go back a little bit, because I'm intrigued, what are the more weird dreams <laughs> that you've come across or oh. that can be common as well? Common weird dreams, not that. Yeah, because I'd say every dream is weird, really, isn't it? One, one of the things I enjoy about my work with every single client is sitting down and thinking, okay, I know absolutely this is going to be a dream that I've never heard before because they're all unique. <laughs> but you've asked about weird, common dream themes. Like something that you couldn't conjure up in your conscious mind. Sometimes I'll wake up and I think, wow, that could be a motion picture. When we're asleep and dreaming, the reason why our dreams don't look like we're processing the last one to today's is that the part of the brain that is editing is really is pretty switched off. And it's up to the rest of our brain, the, the right brain, the touchy feely, more holistic big picture view, which is experiencing the processing as a dream. And that's why they look weird and surreal. And that's why also things can happen, like you said, where you, you can write the best novel or create the best film script in your dream, but you can't do during waking life when you're awake, because when you're awake, your conscious editing mind's going, no, that's too weird. No, you couldn't do that. No, stop. Go down. This is the way to write a script. This is the way to write a book. All those things are off when you're sleeping so you get all that wide open stuff I love when people describe a dream and then they're not even laughing it's and then the dinosaur opened its mouth and the rabbit jumped out and it said this and we both flew off and, and it's all natural because it actually happens to some extent dreams aren't weird when they're happening it's all normal I think to that extent a common dream is flying and that's yeah, something yeah. that until you've had a flying dream you can't imagine what that would be you can imagine, of course you can imagine, but when yeah. you actually have the dream, because it's a dream and you, when you're in a dream, unless you're lucid dreaming, you think this is real life. So you actually fly and you feel it. And it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And to some extent, that's weird and falls into that category that you've just said there about what is it that you can't possibly imagine in waking life, but that happens in dreams that is weird. Now on that level, if you're a lucid dreamer, and lucid means that while you're in the middle of this dream, you suddenly think, hang on a minute, I'm dreaming. And you have this dual awareness of the fact that you have a dreaming life and the fact that you have a waking life reality. And this is powerful enough in itself because you then question your waking life reality. If I can be totally taken in by my dream reality and think this is it, my only reality, and I suddenly realize, hang on a minute, I've got this waking life reality, then what in your waking life reality if you wake up and you think, hang on a minute, oh my goodness, there's a, another reality too. So apart from lucid dreaming being amazing for that, in lucid dreaming, once you realize it's a dream, you can take control. Not all the time, but intermittently. So you can say, okay, I know I'm dreaming, I'm going to fly. So in a good lucid dream, you'll take off and you'll fly and it will feel amazing. Now, partly because I don't advocate a lot of lucid dreaming 
And the reason is that the moment you take control of a dream, you're stopping your natural physiological need for processing, for the dream doing its thing, for processing your waking life experiences, you're interfering with that. So for people that do lucid dream, it's fun to do that for a couple of times a week, but then it's not. So I take that message on board. And whenever I have the possibility of a lucid dream, which I do have, I do lucid dream from time to time, I would tend to think that don't lucid dream, don't lucid dream. And I think that plays into this, but I'll have a dream. And this is a a common thing that people have presented me with and answers your question in a long way around. When you'll be in a dream and I'll be doing something like once I dreamed, I was on a double decker bus in Glasgow and I was giving a lecture on lucid dreaming. It was a really good lecture. It was one of those dreams where actually I got a lot of the details. It was actually spot on good academic lecture. I woke up from the dream. At no point did I realize I was dreaming and I could have been lucid. And (laughs) in a similar scenario, I will be in a dream and someone will say to me, do you think you're dreaming? I know. And they say, how would you prove it? And I said, if this was a dream, I could fly clearly. So I'll go up on my tiptoes. I'll bend my knees. I'll flap my arms around. I'll fail to fly. And I say, see, not dreaming. And then I'll wake up. (laughs) (laughs) so on the third part of that story I've often been in dreams where someone has said are you dreaming and I've said no look I'll show you and I and I fly and I take off oh wow I'm dreaming this is totally amazing I was so completely taken in by that and I think so those to me are some of the weird and wonderful aspects of dreaming that I think when anybody experiences that they utterly delight in it Absolutely. Yeah. I I love the feeling of knowing that you're dreaming and and you start to write and produce and direct your own script (laughs) during the dream. I think a lot of people can relate to that if if they've experienced it. It's, It's quite empowering. So I can't, it'd be remiss of me not to ask this question, but why do people have sensual dreams or wet dreams as most teenagers would call them? Yeah. What's going on there? So partly it's a physiological thing. Partly while you're sleeping, the body goes, okay, I've got these hormones, need to come to some conclusion here. And that can happen. But the wet dream can also be influenced by the dream content, which brings us to the deeper question, which a lot of people listening will be thinking, which is, why do I sometimes have inappropriate sex in my dreams with somebody that I either really don't like, I've never been attracted to, or is totally inappropriate. And people can wake up extremely worried about I've had taboo sex, or how do I go to work and face a colleague thinking, were you, did you have the same dream that I had last night? (laughs) (laughs) And the end result, of course, of those dreams can be yet orgasm, wet dreams, whatever. So the thing with those dreams is take a big deep breath and realize that no, you're not picking up on the other person's thoughts about you at all. Everyone and everything in a dream represents something about you as a dreamer. So you think about that person that you were intimate with and you say to yourself, what do they represent to me? What three words would I use to describe their personality or their approach to life? What is it about them? And the fact that you're extremely intimate with them in the dream shows that you are actually becoming intimate with that part of yourself. So if, for example, the person you're being intimate with in the dream is is a risk taker and you might wake up and think, yeah, actually, I'm not usually a risk taker. I have been taking more risks lately. I have been bringing that aspect of personality on board, that approach to life that is becoming more like me. There is a union happening here. Then you can ask yourself, is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. Make a decision based on that. But the moment that the our dreams pick sex as a metaphor for integration, the physiology of the body can follow through. Okay, fascinating, fascinating. Do babies dream? So we and never... what do they dream about? <laughs> <laughs> of course, we can never ask them. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah. if you put electrodes on and you monitor their brain behavior, they dream they're in REM, which is the main, we, we do dream out of REM periods. We do dream in, d- during non-REM as well, but REM is our most vivid dream period and babies are in REM a lot. I can't remember how much, but a huge proportion of their sleep, they're in REM, also in gestation before they're born. And it, it is proposed. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah. It's proposed that a lot of this is because they do have a lot to process. They have a lot of new experiences when they're born and presumably in utero as well. But particularly once mm. they're born to process it takes a lot of dreaming time to do that. A lot of nerves making connections, making neural pathways in the brain. All of this mindset to make concrete requires a lot of dreaming time. And it would be really lovely to be able to ask babies or to put a machine on their head. Let's see your <laughs> dreams. I want to know. <laughs> I'm not sure whether we covered it sufficiently for people that are listening who are thinking, well, do I really need to analyze my dreams? Do I really need to encourage the stimulation of dreams to write my dreams down or or record it on my phone as soon as I wake up? Why is it so important? Why do you do what you do? You're obviously (laughs) passionate about it, but you're passionate in the sense that you want to help people make sense of their dreams. Why is that really important? I do. And and just as a a small aside from something you said before, giving the main reason for people that aren't totally convinced about what I'm going to say next or what I've said before, simply the act of remembering dreams and writing them down does actually enhance your creativity. It opens up your brain, it opens up your puzzle solving ability. It massively opens your creativity. So a lot of people I work with that come because for a first visit, first appointment, because it's all by Zoom and phone, it's international, because I have a scary dream, that decide to stay with me will actually usually become far more creative and and be really excited about their creative output in the world. So that's one reason. But the reason that I'm really excited and dedicated to people learning how to do this themselves is that we walk around in the world tuned into our conscious mind and thinking that we understand everything about ourselves and the way that we see the world and the way that we react to it. And it's only when through our dreams that we see the larger part of ourselves, that other 80 to 90% of ourselves, which is unconscious, that we really get to know ourselves. This is self-knowledge. This is self-insight. All these unconscious behavior patterns, beliefs, foundational um, mindsets that actually kick in and make decisions for us. We can go along to a business meeting, say, I'm going to say this, I'm going to vote for this. And then we get there and we suddenly have a complete change of mind and we do something. Why did I do that? Why didn't I speak up? That's often the inner saboteur. It's due to your unconscious programming. You need to know what that unconscious mind is about because sometimes (laughs) it steps in and, uh, and acts inappropriately, makes you react in life in ways that are not good for you. And also our unconscious mind holds wonderful things that we've not yet discovered about ourselves, maybe wonderful gifts and talents that who am I to admit that I'm good at writing? Who am I to bring up this wonderful gift that I've got here? Who am I to rely on my intuition? So we also hold down a lot of really good stuff. So it's through understanding our dreams that we get to truly know who we are and why We respond to the world in the way that we do so that if we want to respond to the world differently, if we want to experience life more positively, if we want to give more of the good stuff of ourselves to life, then looking at your dreams is, I believe, the best avenue for doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was Aristotle that said, know thyself. But our subconscious self is only the tip of the iceberg. The iceberg is the subconscious. And, uh, you know, 
what you're saying makes absolute sense. And for a lot of people, analyzing their dreams is not easy. That's right. Anyone that uh, would love to work with you, again, your website, Jane, is... Uh, JaneTeresa.com. And I have a separate dream learning platform, but you can easily get there from JaneTeresa.com. So at JaneTeresa.com, people can make a private appointment if you want me to help you with your dreams, or you can go over to the learning platform and learn yourself. I also have a podcast, which is now in its 12th year, The Dream Show, where we bring on someone somewhere in the world that I've never heard their dream before. And when we press record, it's the first time I hear the dream and we spend an hour exploring that dream. So a lot of people really enjoy that because you get to be the fly on the wall. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I'll be subscribing to that straight after this. (laughs) Thank you. It's really fascinating. Wonderful. And with your working one-on-one, so when should people think about that? Do they wait to have a dream and try and make sense of it and then book a session with you? Or is it something that you would just kick off uh, with you? Is it like a a PT session for the mind, if you like, (laughs) for the subconscious mind? It is the best place to start. You do need a dream, of course. So the best place to start is with any dream. But if you have a recurring dream, that is usually the best place to start because a recurring dream means there's a recurring issue in life. Recurring dreams are dreams that usually have unsatisfying endings, unresolved endings. And so they reflect something that's unresolved in life. So beginning there is a strong point. Wonderful. Uh, That's perfect. That's exactly. So it's recurring dreams. Absolutely. Which shows that there are some unresolved issues there. So uh, yeah, wonderful. Jane Teresa Anderson of janetheresa.com and the dream show thank you so much for coming on our podcast i'm going to go on to your website and listen to your podcast and no doubt i'd love to have you back on the show to do a deep dive into specific areas thank you again for your time much appreciated i'd love to do that thank you for having me and it's a pleasure to meet you as well it's lovely to meet you too excellent thank you very much everyone listening at the moment until next time live consciously my friends Thank you for tuning in. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things a higher branch and with the latest information from our incredible faculty of members and contributors, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like to watch things, then head on over to our YouTube channel by the same name, a higher branch, and subscribe to that also. And if you want to go onto our mail list where you will receive even more special premieres and some really special offerings, head on over over to ahigherbranch.com and sign up to our mail list where you will receive a free copy of my ebook Guide to Greatness but you will also be on the mail list to be the first to receive a copy of my next book The Circle of Conscious Living which is due out later this year anyway thank you again for listening and I hope to be with you next time